Welcome to our Sunday Sermon Podcast with City Harvest AG Church. Wherever you are in life, we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Here at City Harvest, we believe in the undiluted Word of God and the teachings here will enhance your understanding of the Scripture and will help you grow and mature as a Christian. So we hope and pray that you will be blessed by this sermon. Today's sermon is brought to us by Pastor Shine Thomas. Dear friends, we are living in the midst of a pandemic where there are so much of humanitarian needs and uh, need around us and God wants us to be people of generosity during this time. Believers and the church to be generous during this time. Let me ask you a question. How generous are you uh, in the presence of God? With the time, money, talent, material blessings that God has given to you, are you practicing generosity? Well, I want to title today's message as Kingdom Generosity. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in their synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, uh, is on the southern tip of the Sea of Galilee. Where is the Sea of Galilee? Jerusalem is way down and Sea of Galilee is on the north. And it is in the Galilee region that Jesus started his public ministry first. And it is in the initial days of his public ministry, Matthew says that he took his disciples and the crowd to the mountainside. And in the southern tip, the breeze of the sea is coming at them. Beautiful sunshine, flowers in the valleys. And Jesus in that beautiful atmosphere is speaking the sermon on the mount. Matthew chapter 5, when we see that Jesus is talking about how a person comes to Jesus and the Beatitudes and the character reformation, the attitude reformation that happens to a child of God when you become a believer of Jesus Christ. And then after the Beatitudes, Jesus is talking about a section where he is giving explanation of the law of Moses. The law of Moses was practiced very differently from what God intended. And Jesus is giving his explanation regarding divorce, regarding adultery, and regarding loving your enemies and things like that. And that is the end of Matthew chapter 5. When you come to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is continuing his sermon. Uh, this is how Matthew puts it. And Matthew says that once you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are called to do good deeds, your righteous deeds. But when you do these righteous deeds, you should do it in such a way that your Father in heaven gets all the glory and you don't take any glory for your own self. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus told very clearly, when you come to the scripture, Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, Jesus said, in the same way, let your righteous deeds be seen by others so that uh, when they see your good deeds, they may glorify your Father in heaven. But in Matthew chapter 6 verse 1, he says that be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
So how does these two match up? In one verse he's telling, let it be seen by others. And in this verse he's telling, let it be not seen by others and let uh, God get the glory. Jesus is telling us that whatever we do in the name of Jesus for God, there are times that people will see it and recognize it. But there are times that you can do it secretly also. But either way, when you get recognition or you do it secretly, the motive is that God the Father should get all the glory. You don't do it for your own glory. You do it for the glory of God the Father. That's the key teaching. Practice your righteousness or do your good deeds in such a way that the Father gets the glory and you don't take any applause for it. Now, Jesus is talking about Three areas of discipline over here. Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 to 4 talks about giving to the needy, giving to the poor. Do it in such a way that God gets the glory. Matthew chapter 6 and this verse 5 to 15 talks about prayer. God willing we will look at the Lord's prayer next week. It's a profound prayer in the kingdom. And Jesus is giving us a wonderful poem in a prayer pattern. So that we should be praying that. And I, I would say that that should be our daily prayer. We have lost the importance and significance of the Lord's prayer because it's too familiar. And next week, God willing, I will just highlight in that prayer of that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And we should be praying that prayer. Okay. And then he's saying that when you pray, don't highlight it in front of people to see your vocabulary or your posture or your style. Pray in secret to God the Father. And then in uh, chapter 6, verse 16 to 18, Jesus talks about how you fast, right? Don't fast as a public spectacle for people to see you, but fast in such a way that your father who sees you in secret will reward you. So these are the three areas Jesus is predominantly talking about. And the standards that Jesus is setting is comparing to the Pharisees of his time. The Pharisees were known as the rigid practices of the law of Moses. They were known to take on the traditions of the law of Moses and practice it very rigidly. And Jesus is upping the standard for the children of God. He said, if you are my disciples, you go beyond the Pharisees' way of practicing it and this is how you do it. And here, let me ask you, how is your giving? How generous are you? How is your prayer life? The Father who is seeing us in secret with the resources that God has given to us, how is our giving? How is our prayer? How is our fasting? Have we forgotten fasting all of a sudden? And indulging in eating and drinking and making merry? And, or do you have some time where you devote yourself away from food and seek the face of God in fasting? Profound teaching of Jesus Christ. And these teachings have to be reiterated in the New Testament church. Otherwise, we are losing out on discipleship. So let's dig in, okay? Matthew chapter 6 verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Look at that word seen. In Greek, the Greek scholars say that it is a word called theatnai. Theatnai means that is the word from which the word theater comes for us. What happens in a theater? The actors showcase the talent for everybody to see. They put on a mask. That's not the real face. It is like a hypocrite. A hypocrite puts on a mask, right? He does not show his true self to others and actors don't show the true character to others. They put on an act and they play. And believers in the Lord Jesus Christ should be so careful 
that we don't put on an act in front of people, but we need to be the real people who we are inside out. That brings us to the point number one of this message. The kingdom of God is about reality, not image. We are living in a very image-driven world. And how this teaching has to be emphasized in a day and the age that we live in. We live in a world that is looking for platform, recognition, popularity, identity, image, and applause of people. People are trying to be seen and receive glory from men and applause of people. So people start manipulating their personalities, manipulating the way they talk, manipulating who they really are so that they can win the favor of other people applauding them. And sadly, such characteristics have come into ministry. I've seen where ministries unnecessarily promote the man of God to bring all the glory as if he is a special man of God where God does not get the glory. If you see such ministries, please don't watch them because this is not biblical. With what I preach, with what I teach, all the glory should reflect to God the Father, not to me. You understand? I taught you uh, when I was speaking about the light and the salt in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, that we are just the moonlight. And what does the moon do? Moon does not have a light of its own. Moon receives the light from the sun and reflects it back to the people. So when the agent that God uses gets all the glory and all the credit, there is some question about whether the authenticity of that preacher or authenticity of that person. Because the glory with all our deeds should go to God the Father. Are you with me, church? Amen? Okay. The kingdom of God is about reality. No wonder Shakespeare wrote, all the world is a stage and all the men and women are really players. He's telling that the world is a full of drama. And uh, he wrote in his uh, uh, books, but then how true it is, people are all players in a drama and they are fake, phony people. I like when young people talk to each other, come on, be real, man, be real. In that close friendships, we talk to each other, right? Be real, man. And that's what we need to be in the presence of God. Be real. Don't be phony. Moving forward. Do not serve God for recognition. Are you serving God for recognition? Are you giving to God for recognition? I've heard people tell me in my years of pastoral experience and also pastoring other churches that pastor I've been working in this church for so long I've been ministering for so long and nobody even has come and told me a word of thank you definitely if somebody is ministering doing good we should go and appreciate that person but if you are doing service for God for appreciation of people we are misplaced our priorities somewhere we are not doing it for people we are doing it for Lord even if nobody appreciates me it is seen by my father in secret and one day he will definitely reward me. So now, moving forward, Jesus is also talking about giving, generosity over here, okay? Generosity. Come uh, to Matthew chapter 6 verse 2. So when you give to the needy, what is the context? Giving to the needy in the temple. Jesus is talking about how people used to go and give money in the temple and the temple money is used to take care of the orphans and the widows and the Levites and the temple purposes. So it is about giving. 
and it was a big show for the jewish people on how much they gave especially the pharisees okay so jesus is talking about giving in the temple and now the giving is practiced by the new testament church if you see the acts of the apostles that giving was coming to the church and the church used to distribute to the needs of the people in their area and also send us aid for people outside remember uh, the church from antioch sent aid all the way to jerusalem because there was a famine in jerusalem if you see acts of the apostles you can find that so that is what the church is doing and people used to come and give aid okay jesus is talking about such a context of giving so in matthew chapter 6 verse 2 when you give to the needy do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others so now look at what jesus is teaching us over here when you give to the needy not if you give to the needy right so giving is a presupposition for a child of god it's not that if you think about giving no when you give when you come to the presence of god you are supposed to give back to the kingdom so when you give do not announce it with trumpets okay it's something that many people don't understand in my pastoral experience to many years after their baptism it is the purse and the money that gets last sometimes to come under the lordship of jesus christ they don't understand why they should give why they should tithe why they should give offerings why they should give to the needy right and but god wants us to know that it all belongs to god and we need to have a different view about the money that god has given to us giving is a fundamental behavior an act of righteousness for a follower of jesus christ what was the jewish thought of giving the jewish thought of giving according to william barclay william barclay have you come across his commentaries is an amazing uh, commentary he's telling for a jew to give alms and to be righteous were all one of the same things for example if a jew comes if he gives arm to a poor beggar it is as good as being righteous in the presence of god so william barclay talks about an incident where he uh, a pastor and a group of people he goes to the promised land and there is a jewish rabbi with them and they pass by a beggar who is begging for money so this pastor is in the friend and the pastor passes by without even giving for the beggar so this jewish rabbi when he sees this pastor's attitude he gets very angry with the pastor and he looks at him with anger puts his hand into his pocket grabs as much as of money that he can take and shoves it into the vessel or the cap of the beggar and he looks at the pastor he doesn't even look at the beggar he looks at the pastor with lot of anger this is jewish giving because they felt that giving alms is as good as righteousness now jesus is taking the standard higher jesus is saying to his disciples that when you give your heart is very important your attitude is very important secondly secrecy is important you don't give to receive favor or receive praise secrecy is important in giving you see how jesus is just taking the standards of the kingdom people little up than what the pharisees followed in his time so that brings us to the second point the kingdom of god is all about generosity the kingdom of god is all about generosity god rules and reigns over a generous kingdom and if you are jesus disciples you will be generous okay and the believers of the lord jesus christ practice generosity now 
come with me i want to take you to three stories from the bible one story from the old testament and two stories from the new testament to talk to you and teach to you about generosity right come with me to first chronicles chapter 29 in first chronicles 29 we have david at the flag end of his life he has lived his life he has run away from saul he has been anointed king he had had his failure with bathsheba and now he's come to a time where david is just before his death a little time before his death and remember david is the second king saul the first king david the second king and solomon the third king has somehow managed to bring the tribes the 12 tribes together under one rule okay and they have managed to keep the capital of the tribes as jerusalem when david is the king in jerusalem over israel the united israel uh, the presence of god that dwelt among them was in the form of a tent in the form of a tabernacle remember god asked them in the wilderness to make a tabernacle tent where god will dwell among them and the cloud of god shekena glory would descend and even when david is ruling the presence of god dwelt in a temporary tent and it, towards the flag end of his life it was his great desire in his life to build a permanent structure for god where god's temple is a permanent structure for god's dwelling and people could come in and go out of the temple to meet with god so that was david's greatest desire during this time okay and see what he does he does everything in his capacity to build a permanent structure for god to come and dwell come with me to first chronicles read with me slowly i want you to understand this passage this will teach us about generosity first chronicles chapter 29 verse 1 to 2 then king david said to the whole assembly my son solomon the one whom god has chosen is young and inexperienced the task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the lord god with all my resources i have provided for the temple of my god gold for the gold work silver for the silver bronze for the bronze iron for the iron and wood for the wood as well as onyx for the settings turquoise stones of various colors and all kinds of fine stone and marble all this in large numbers now what is happening over here all precious stones and gold and silver and iron and wood and if you look at uh, jeremiah chapter 52 verse 22 and 23 you can note down and read it talks about carvings of pomegranate tree and pomegranate fruit and carvings of lily blossoming with flower all in the temple now what is david and the people of god doing uh, with all these things in the temple now we must understand that these are all symbols of bringing back the lost paradise in the garden of eden in the garden of eden it was a perfect environment where god would come and dwell and tabernacle with his people now the paradise has been lost because of man's sin and god in his mercy has decided to come and dwell in a tent among his people and now when they are building this palatial building they are bringing in all kind of symbolisms to present the paradise that is lost that's why the pomegranates are there lilies are there and the gold and turquoise everything is a symbolism in the temple to show that 
by god's grace coming and residing among us we can somehow regain that lost paradise you're getting me that's their thinking is an ancient group of people trying to build a temple for god and when they're building this with these things this is the mindset that is going when they are building that church are you with me okay now you see what david does now for the temple he does some personal donation come to first chronicles chapter 29 verse 3 to 5 besides in my devotion to the temple of my god i now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my god over and above everything i have provided for his holy temple here is the list 3000 talents of gold gold of offer 7000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings for the gold work and the silver work and for all the work done by the craftsmen david makes a generous donation to the temple and is making it out of his own hard earned treasury his own money not the kingdom money his money now you may be telling me pastor david is filthy rich and he is the richest king and it is nothing for david you know even for a rich man to take 100 dollars or 100 rupees is not easy and survey was done about generosity of people during the pandemic and it was done in the united states of america at different states and shockingly this was the research that came out it says that the rich filthy rich cities of united states of america were the very poor givers for charity work during this pandemic but the poorer states have been the generous donors so being rich does not make you generous having a fat salary does not make people generous it needs a generous heart so david generosity towards god's temple is not because of his richness over the years david has gone through a heart transplantation he has got the heart of god god has transformed his heart inside out and now the way he looks at god other people and himself his money is very different and how you can know this is because what follows this generosity is a prayer of david come down the same passage come down in chapter 29 verse 5 to 9 the people follow the giving and chapter 29 verse 10 to 19 is david's prayer and what is captured in that prayer is david's heart heart that has been truly transformed as i'm going to read that there are young people who are listening to me there are middle aged people who are listening to me and there are people who are listening to me online i want you to capture this heart of david and i want you to make this prayer your prayer and my prayer so that we will look at our resources like this what david saw and automatically our heart will become generous let's read that prayer first chronicles chapter 29 verse 10 to 19 David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying Praise be to you Lord the God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting Yours Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours Yours Lord is the kingdom Remember the prayer that Jesus taught us Thine is the kingdom and look at david's prayer yours lord is the kingdom 
you are exalted as head over all wealth and honor come from you you are the ruler of all things in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all now our god we give you thanks and praise your glorious name in david's world view to whom does everything belong to god everything belongs to god he's from everlasting to everlasting he has this firm conviction that everything and in heaven and on earth belongs to the yahweh god the god of israel and david also believes that his own wealth that he has worked so hard to earn is not his and it does not belong to him it has come to him as a gift david sees that his strength and wisdom to attain that wealth is not his it is given to him by god and when david had such a heart look at how he views himself chapter 29 verse 14 but who am i look at david's self look at on himself a king who is so glorious majestic powerful rich and godly he's telling who am i when can we have such a look on our own self or will we boast about what we are doing pride about what we are doing i'm nothing lord who is david one of the top kings of the ancient world and even after 3000 years we are still talking about him can you imagine who will talk about us 20 years after our death but how much we boast people will not even remember us 20 years after our death and here is a glorious king rich king 3000 years from there and him is life we are still talking about him and look at his heart he's telling lord who am i see what he says who am i and who are my people that we should be able to give us generously as this everything comes from you and we have given only what comes from your hand we are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were our all our ancestors our days on earth are like a shadow without hope lord our god all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you i know my god that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity all these things i have given willingly and with honest intent you need to ponder on this prayer lot to learn i'm giving willingly with honest intent and now i have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you lord the god of our fathers abraham isaac and israel keep these desires and thoughts in their hearts keep our hearts with humility and generosity look at david's prayer lord keep my heart with humility and generosity what a beautiful prayer of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you i think we should practice this prayer this prayer should be somewhere in our living room 
and go and read that and give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands statutes and decrees and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which i have provided whatever is in the heart of this biblical generosity is displayed here in this prayer we need to adapt this view my dear friends and if we can put our hearts and minds to this kind of view generosity is something that just begins to happen in our lives coming to the new testament i want to give you two examples of generosity okay second corinthians chapter 8 and 9 are two good chapters to learn about generosity and paul is talking about the macedonian generosity okay the churches in macedonia how they gave and when paul is looking at the macedonian generosity he is reminded of the generosity of christ and the greatest example in the new testament is the generosity of christ and come to second corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich look at the generosity of our god jesus he was rich but the story of the gospel is that he found humanity in spiritual and moral poverty and this rich god becomes poor so that we can become rich in christ rich spiritually so that's the story of our god god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life our god is a generous god our father is a generous father so the people who belong to this god should be generous from their heart and in everything so one of the greatest pictures in the bible is the generosity of jesus christ who was rich but the story of the gospel says he saw humanity in poverty so he gave his grace and generosity to the humanity so now that we have seen that grace and generosity through christ we reciprocate that grace and generosity to the people outside of us then paul in chapter 8 verse 1 to 5 talks about the generosity of the macedonian believers look at this and now brothers and sisters we want you to know about the grace that god has given the macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial i can talk about in the midst of a very severe pandemic right contemplate it their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity look at that up and down in that statement that paul is telling in the midst of a severe trial their overflowing joy extreme poverty rich generosity that is a child of god for i testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability giving till it hurts entirely of their own not forced not that there is a donation now now you give and you receive your reward not that emotional giving entirely of their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the lord's people paul tell us what is the need can we share in some way for to help the ministry 
Is any province that you are visiting, people are poor without food? Is any pastor needing of any support? Tell me, can I support that, Paul? And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. And then by the will of God to us also. Another beautiful church that gave is Philippian church. Come to Philippians chapter 4 verse 14 to 18. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles, Paul says. Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Look at the generosity of the Philippian believers. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 19, the same chapter, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Many times we take this verse and we say, Lord, your word says that my God will meet all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That does not work that way. Look at the context of it. What is the context? Rich generosity. And people who are generous in the kingdom, Paul is praying that God will meet their needs. Right? And that's how this verse and the promise matches up. And Paul says that when you give to the needy, when you give for the ministry, you are into a partnership with the gospel. Come to Philippians chapter 1 verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So, many people preach. Not everybody are called to preach. Some people are serving in some other areas. But all of us can partner in giving, in generosity. Are you with me, church? Yes. And that's the heart of a true believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, coming back. Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 to 4. Coming back to where we started, okay? But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Now, many believers have come and told me, Pastor, this is my tithe. I don't want any receipt and I don't want anybody to know and I'm just putting it in the offering box. I don't want anybody to know the amount. I respect what they say. No problem. It's their faith. And most of the time they quote this verse. I am not condemning their faith. It, it is their faith. Please do that. But what is this verse really telling? I have to educate you. This verse is not telling to be legalistic about your giving. So that your, what you give in your right hand, your left hand does not know about it. How does it not know? When you count that money, both the hands are counting it, right? So how is it possible? So that's not the context. It is bragging about it. For example, uh, if I have sponsored this pulpit and pastor is preaching and it is suiting so well and then you go to your friend and you brag, you see that pulpit? I donated that to the church. This is what Jesus is countering. Don't give and brag about it so that you give praises from people and you lose your reward from Father in heaven. I will give you one more biblical principle. In the Acts of the Apostles, we can find in chapter 4 that Barnabas sold a piece of land and brought that money into the apostles' feet. How is it documented in the Bible? If the right hand does and left hand doesn't know, how come it is documented in the Bible? 
That means the church knew that this money came from Barnabas and this money was given for such purposes. And Luke, when he was writing his gospel, he investigated James and people in the church. How come you do this project? Yes, Barnabas gave that money. Look at the records. The Barnabas gave that money. So there's nothing wrong in getting your name in the church receipt book or people knowing about it. The problem is when you brag about it, right? When you tell, oh, this is what I've given. I've donated that keyboard. Oh, this new design. I have done that. That is wrong. Later, the next chapter, you can find Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a piece of land. Nobody asked them to sell. But their motives were different. Some money they kept to themselves. So their motive was to make some money. At the same time, they gave the remaining to the apostles and they said, this is all the money. So they had two motives. One is to make money for themselves. Secondly, to make a name for themselves. Oh, Barnabas gave. We also should be known for giving. Nowadays, it happens in the church. Oh, that family gave 10 lakhs to the building fund. So we need to give at least 11 lakhs. So that was happening with this Ananias and Sapphira. Hypocrites. And then what happened? Holy Spirit judged them and they fell down dead in the presence of God. So this is not to be taken legalistically so that uh, nobody should know what I'm giving. You know, giving should also come under some accountability. And only thing what Jesus is talking is about bragging about what you have done. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? Yes. Okay. So now, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Okay? Now, I want to talk a little bit about giving and bring it to what is happening today. If you are giving and if the church is putting a plaque with your family name that you have donated, the big givers, I have got some problem with that. Because that's not biblical giving. Every time someone comes to the church and reads your family name, your reward is there. You're losing your reward for the kingdom. Right? And what about those people who are praying for that building fund? They do not have that much money to give. They may give 10 rupees or 100 rupees and they're praying and they're sacrificing, they're cleaning. They are, they are not able to give that much to match up to put over there. So we are dividing the church in the name of money. And if you find something like that, disassociate from such ministry. Because money does not hold so important that your name, some people who are rich, their name should be written over there. Are you with me, church? Secondly, you watch this TV episodes of Christian messages that are coming. Starting of the message, they will announce, today's episode is sponsored by and they put their family. Their reward, what they sponsored for that episode is received right in that transmission. There's no more reward for that. That's what Jesus is telling. And why are the people putting it? So that others will also be motivated to sponsor their episodes. And there is a prayer that is done. Sorry, this is not the way of biblical generosity. Please don't fall into such schemes of the devil where people misuse people and take money out of believers. Are you with me, church? Don't go for emotional giving. Now give and now receive the reward. No, that's not biblical. When you want to give, talk to your spouse. 
pray about it then god will give you the peace then give don't give to a ministry that you do not know because you heard somebody is doing a good job don't give to a ministry that you do not know investigate about that ministry find out some facts about it then give am i helping you in some ways yes evaluate your giving today go home back and see where and all you are putting your money in generosity reevaluate it and pray about it and see whether your money is going for the ministry or whether money is being misused and change plans make a decision to give a portion like for example if you have an x amount of salary okay or x amount of profit you draw a line this is what is my need this is for my children's education and future and then i have got so much surplus right keep that surplus away for some giving saving is a biblical principle so you need to save for your future providing for your children is a biblical principle you need to save for your children and giving is also a biblical principle you need to keep money for giving okay so your mark that money and tell that okay god has provided us not that when promotion comes you think about how you can increase your comfort see how you can bless the kingdom and that money you pray about it god give me the wisdom where to give and definitely the local church that you attend is your primary concern for you to support because that is our responsibility i'm talking beyond the local church okay i'm not doing any fundraising here you find some ministry doing genuine work please go ahead and support be generous right but you do some investigation get in first hand report of what is happening and then give and if you have decided okay this is what i am supposed to give and i have given that money and then somebody comes with need don't be emotionally carried away by that you are not responsible for everybody's need very clear right you are not in god's place are you in god's place no you have your limit so you tell that my limit is up you may want to help that person with a thousand rupees just help that person but then don't make a commitment to give because you already made your commitment to give right are you with me right then giving maybe some of you have burned your hands some of misused you this thing don't stop giving because of that be wise next time don't let yourself in a position that people misuse you but be wise and i don't recommend just giving people just money like that right for example there's a drunkard and his children are not having money you bail that person out he will increase in his drinking habits okay you are not responsible for that instead of giving money buy books for the children buy food for that family that will help don't bail people who are irresponsible with emotional moves and bail them out okay somebody from the church asks you for money i'm just talking to city hours what maximum what you can do is give 1000 rupees 
If it is more, bring it to your area pastor, elders notice. We know the life of people, whether they deserve that money. And then we will help you whether they deserve that money and give that money. So you need to manage on how you use your money. Don't just, okay, I've got money and just doing it and I'm feeling good about it. That's not how biblical giving is. We are generous, but we are cautious and we are wise in how we give. And then Jesus says that if you give like this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, when you give, give it to the needy. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God will definitely reward us. Caution. We are not giving for rewards. I am not giving to receive. That should not be our intention. Oh Lord, I am giving my 10% or 20%. So I, I know you are going to bless my increase. No. Leave the reward to God. He will do what is best. Do you have to tell God anything? No. He knows the best to give you. Right? So we are not doing it for reward. God will reward us in his time. And Jesus says in Revelation chapter 22 verse 12, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. Right? So I want you to introspect yourself. Go home and make an inventory. What is your income? What is your generosity? Is that money that you are using for your generosity going for good cause? Are people's life being transformed? You're bailing out that family. Is there any change in that family? And then ask God's grace to show you new areas of generosity so that your money can produce maximum impact in the kingdom of God. Amen? Take away points. Write down this one. I don't want you to forget. Kingdom of God is about reality, not image. Kingdom of God is about reality, not image. The kingdom of God is about God's glory, not my glory. Right? The kingdom of God is about generosity. And fourthly, kingdom generosity will be richly rewarded. Shall we pray? I'm going to pray this prayer and I want you to pray it in your heart with me. Shall we close our eyes and pray? Father, help us. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there are some wrong motives in us. See if we are doing things in such a way to receive attention, honor, and praise of men and help us, Lord. Free us from the bondage of materialism. Free us from the image-focused life. Help me to be real. Help me to be generous. Help us do things in such a way that you receive the glory and praise and honor in Jesus' name.